you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. What these young bloods have to understand that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Welcome to Buckets. Hope you had a great weekend. My name's Matt Moore. I'm a senior NBA writer for the Action Network. Joined by my colleague, Analytics Capper, Albert Wynn. You can find him on Twitter at Analytics Capper or at AnalyticsCapper.com. This is today's weekend recap, which we're also going to be using as our vehicle to discuss awards. Every Monday, we're going to bring you an episode that's focused almost entirely on awards. We'll hit on some of the stories over the weekend from a betting perspective, but to get you kind of a recap of what we what's happened in the NBA since last we left you on Friday, we're going to be bringing you this episode driven around an awards market because they're so much fun to bet in the NBA. They're always evolving and these storylines continue. So we'll hit on a number of things today, as well as we'll cover some of the stories that are going on in the NBA, especially from a betting perspective, like how the fuck the Utah Jazz are 3-0. and uh, And also... Um, are the Sixers ever going to win a game? Because I'm starting to wonder. Uh, we'll talk about all that more. Uh, Albert, how was your weekend? Weekend was great, man. We were talking a little bit about it offline, but we were both just spending time with our kids. But we're back. It's uh, it's Monday morning. We had a great first week of the NBA. You mentioned it. A lot of surprises from the uh, Sixers and the Lakers being both 0-3. The Utah Jazz being 3-0 with like 500 first round picks in their, you know, arbitrage of things. So it's going to be a great season. I'm already excited. And honestly, the rookie of the year uh, discussion is, is intriguing. Yeah. So let's start there. Um, The big story in the rookie of the year markets is the same story was in preseason It's the same story was basically from the first game of summer league. Uh, I walked into the gym and sat down to watch Paolo Bancaro in his first game at summer league and was like, Holy shit, this guy's a tank. Um, I think sometimes it's hard to evaluate college players on size because every pro prospect, most pro prospects just look bigger. When you get them into a summer league environment, you are dealing with fringe NBA players, but they do necessarily have the size. Like a lot of these guys are overseas players and they're just professional athletes. So they're bigger. And Bancaro looked huge huge it was like wow he's like he's super strong but he's also got this coordination and Paolo's come out of the gates absolutely 
just tearing it up from a production standpoint, which we talked about on our preseason episode priming this, um, that the num- that the numbers are really important just for volume. It's PRA, points, rebounds, assists. Uh, Brandon Anderson really stresses that as a, as a primary metric. Mm-hmm. I-, I focus a lot on the points, but I do think maybe I underestimated rebounds as, as adding the overall resume for these guys. So Bancaro's splits real quickly, 23.3 points per game, 8.7 rebounds. I want to talk about that in a second. And 3.3 assists. The shooting is bad. Doesn't necessarily matter. You don't have to be efficient as a rookie. You just got to produce uh, 42, 23. He's shooting 23% from three, but 81% from the stripe. That's going to help him with how physical he is. Um, and he's, he's shown off the screen uh, in these games. Like yeah. you watch Bancaro and you're just like, this guy's going to be an absolute yeah. beast. Yeah. He definitely jumps off the screen. It's funny. You mentioned 23% from the three point, um, three point line. He would be the leading shooter on the Lakers, but just a, a <laughs> subtle dig there for the LA Lakers. With that being said, I agree with you. I think you and I both went in heavy with Paolo rookie of the year. And then hopefully this guy comes back fully healthy. When Chet went down, I, you know, even reaffirmed that position, added more units to that. So I love Paolo Bencaro. Again, his splits are super impressive. Uh, but one guy that I've been impressed with is on the Detroit Pistons, and that's Jaden Ivey. If you look at his counting stats as well, he's going to average over 30 minutes a game. I think he's sitting at 31.7 minutes for his first three games in the league. First game, 19 four and three second second game 17 nine and two and then this last game against the pacers which is his hometown team this is why um i bet him uh, from a prop standpoint but he he ended the game with a double double 17 points 10 rebounds and five assists the fact that he's already getting mid 30 minutes is is huge for me um as long as he gets the usage and he gets the opportunities i think he's going to be um right there with paolo um but i think paolo right now is the runaway favorite matt like He's not only jumping off the page, he's the best player on that team. He's their go-to guy. We talk about this a little bit, but not only his size and strength are impressive, but his mindset. Like He really uses that athleticism to get to the rack. And you had a great post the other day, a, a video of him kind of taking Noah Vonley off the dribble. Vonley gave him five to 10 feet. Paolo was still able to get to the rim and basically, uh, you know, lay it up with, with ease. So if Paolo can do that against, you know, Noah Vonley, who's 6'10 himself, that's super impressive. Yeah, with Paolo, I want to talk about the rebounds because that was a real concern. His first couple of games of Summer League, uh, he he just wouldn't have him. There was, uh, I believe, it, I think it was a Rockets game, actually, versus Jabari. I think he had, one of the games he had, like, one or two rebounds, maybe uh, none, actually, at the half. And we're like, man, maybe he's like, maybe rebounding is not going to be what he's interested in. Maybe he's not going to invest himself. And then the second half, he had like nine. <laughs> yeah. And it really is, I think, with Van Caro, a matter of how much he he uh, cares and invests himself in terms of rebounding. I If we're asking, like, why are we talking about rebounding here? I, I do think this is going to matter because the overall numbers are important here, especially in comparison to the other guy that's rising up, which we'll talk about in a second. The numbers for Bancaro, if we're going to look at it in the market perspective, you mentioned Ivy at plus 700. That's a, like, I think Ivy objectively has pretty good value here because Ivy's per 36s, uh, look, we're talking a tiny sample here, but just out the gate, 26, 7. Those are really good numbers. Like we have a history of guys that are able to put up the, the somewhere in the line of 25, 5 that gets you to 30 PRA. That's a really good number at 700. I think there's good value on Ivy. Uh, if you haven't bet, if you've already bet these other positions like I have, 
Uh, Pal is a plus 140 now. This is going to be a minus number. Yep. Probably by Christmas if he's healthy. Um, at Christmas, I'll probably start looking at, all right, let's see who else is in the conversation because Evan Mobley was not runaway, but he was firmly ahead at Christmas. And then Scotty Barnes just like kept tracking and kept tracking and gained steam. So at Christmas, I'll probably want to reevaluate if I want to start hedging against Paolo. Um, the other guy I talk about in this conversation is Benedict Matherin for yep. the Pacers, who I said efficiency doesn't matter for 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 rookies. <laughs> well, if you're going to shoot uh, 52, 52, 73, 52% from the field, 52% from three and 73% from the line. Uh, that's going to help your efficiency. Matherin has spiked. He was plus a thousand before the season began. I, I put in a position on that. Cause I like, I'm so leveraged on Paolo. I was like, I need to be aware of these other spots. So I bet on Matherin at, at 10 to one, this is already down to plus three ninety at FanDuel. And then this is probably going to decrease. He's averaging 24, six and two. The per 36s are 30 and eight. Crazy. Yeah, crazy. So, and honestly, Matt, him playing under Rick Carlisle's system, we know this, right? Rick, during Dallas, especially those last few years, they had the number one rated offense sometimes in the history of the league. So, you know that from a usage rate, Benedict is going to get a ton of shots. He's going to play in a really fast paced system. Um, so, his counting stats are going to be there points. Um, potentially assists and then obviously three pointers as well. So I agree with you. That's great value already down to plus three ninety. Not only that, but um, like I said, the fact that they don't really care about defense on the Pacers, they're just going to try to outscore you every single game, kind of like the Utah jazz, what we're seeing now. Um, so his, his stats are going to be there for sure. Again, this is an extremely tiny sample. I will say that they've got a plus eight net rating when he's on the floor. Those are positive early signs. Wow. This does not matter at all for Ricky here. It does not matter what your, what your, what your on-off splits are. Uh, but it is kind of a sign of like, they're, they're doing things when he's on the floor. They have a 116 offensive rating with Benjamin Matherin on the floor. They're absolutely hooking wow. with the combination of Hallie and Matherin. Uh, he fits very well. It's interesting because there's been a lot, like there was a lot of tension coming out of the first couple of days of, of the Pacers. Like a lot of talk about finger pointing and how bad the team was going to be. Um, I am curious to see kind of what happens with that situation. This is the same thing as it is with Matherin as it is with Hal Burton, where I don't think they'll sit Matherin if they're tanking. Mm -hmm. The question is going to be if, like, is he so good? They have to, mm -hmm. if they're chasing Victor Webanyama. like that's a, that's a question. I think you got to look at um, the only one other player I would, I would talk, just keep an eye on is Keegan Murray. He missed the first game because he was in health and safety protocols. And I was like, Oh, that's not a good start for him. He looked great in the next couple of games like he's he looks like he's going to be an impact player exactly kind of what i thought he was going to be um we'll wait on keegan but just a guy to to definitely still keep an eye on but palo is the best he, he is the favorite and is right that he is the favorite my question for you would be we know this is going to go to a minus number but do you think that right now at where we're at in the season just this first couple of games in less than a week uh is plus 140 good value or not I do. I think he is the runaway favorite. You're basically just banking on him not getting injured at this point because although it's it's early, let's say he plays 70 to 75 games, uh, you know, knock on wood, hopefully no injuries there. A 23 and 9 season, if you look at the previous rookie of the year winners, Matt, that is the best 
like numbers in terms of just sheer counting stats, right? Last year, Scotty Barnes, 15 and seven. Year before, LaMelo, 15 and six. John Morant, 18 and four. Luca, 21 and eight. Like we're talking about the best rookie as far as numbers are concerned since Blake Griffin, 2011, when he averaged 22 and 12. And that wasn't even his rookie year. It's actually his second year. He was hurt that first year. Um, so that was kind of a leg up for him. But if, if Paolo Bencaro stays healthy, and I think he will, he will, um, I think he's going to run away with it. So to answer your question, plus odds, minus odds, I think it's close to, uh, close to free money. All right, let's move on. We're going to move on to our second segment, which I'm going to call the mic or the most important covers. So what were the covers over the weekend that kind of made headlines in the NBA? We'll start on Saturday night as the San Antonio Spurs clearly tanking. Looked like the worst team I had ever seen on opening night. Go into Philadelphia and drop the Philadelphia 76ers outright. Don't just cover, drop them outright to send the Sixers to 0-3. I will note that my best bet for Saturday, I was feeling saucy. I bet, I put this in action. I had it in the app. I did a number of parlays that were same game parlays. I don't bet them a lot. I understand the hold is there. It looked like a prime opportunity. Embiid always shows out versus shitty teams. It is absolutely in his DNA. So I even took alternate, like lower one, lower ones to kind of give myself room in case they blew out the Spurs. I did 24 and a half points. I did eight and a half rebounds or nine and a half rebounds. He winds up with 40 and 13. Hit that exactly. If I just played the props, Alvaro would have been fine. But I was like, ah, let's throw Sixers on the spread and Sixers money line in there. We'll just juice it up. There's no way that if Embiid has a monster game, they lose to the Spurs and they lose outright. I felt like such an idiot for not just playing the props angle on that. What is your concern level with the Sixers? Like, let's say it's one to five. One is like, they're going to be fine. And five is like, this, this may be not the year they were hoping for. I get it's just three games. But you just you went 0 for 2 versus contenders in the East, and then you got dropped by San Antonio in your home opener. Yes, as far as levels concerned, man, um, they I don't think they're the team I thought they were. I, I'll be completely honest. That night, my favorite bet in the NBA slate was the Sixers' first half. I think it was minus seven and a half or minus eight. Um, they lost that outright as well. The fact that they're losing these games and they're not even close. The Spurs blew them out by nine. Um, it wasn't even close, to be honest. I think they made somewhat of a run midway through the fourth. They brought their the Sixers brought their uh, starters back in, and they actually lost um, some momentum there. So that's that's interesting. I, I just think that there's some some type of internal unrest. Whether it's Harden, I mean Harden looks great, but I don't know if Joel Embiid wants to play with the. Uh, you know, 2019 Houston Rockets. Joel Embiid is a MVP caliber player that wants to be the man as well. And he was the man before James Harden got there. So I think there's a little bit of um, animosity there. But honestly, maybe the city of Philadelphia and their sports teams are just focused on the Phillies right now. So there's not much mojo when it comes to the Sixers um, or the or the Flyers. So I'm just going to lay off this this team. I thought, Matt, I was going to lay off after that second game against the Bucks but I dipped my toe back in against the Spurs and they bit me again. So I'm not going to touch them for a while. Yeah. We're recording this Monday morning and, and I like, I want to bet them again tonight. 
like I like the spot. I like the number. I like I I feel like this is as a good opportunity. And I just I'm like, no, let's just put them aside for now. Um, I think the conversation about it being Harden's team and the Harden style is really interesting because for me, it looks like they're doing that because Joel and B can't like versus actual good defense can't do anything mm. like he was horrible in those first two games. Yeah. Horrible. And then it comes out on, uh, I believe conveniently Friday. Yeah. Conveniently it comes out on Friday that he, that he dealt with plantar fasciitis in the off season and they don't know, like, it's not necessarily clear whether it's like, that's still a problem or if it was, it was a problem and that just affected his conditioning. Uh, but like one would really have liked to have known that in preseason before I bet them a million ways for the number one seed and for the division and all these different types of things. Just, and uh, I want to be very clear. I don't blame the Sixer, the Sixers media on this. Like a lot of fans will be like, why did no one find out? I made this joke on Twitter. Are you supposed to go into media day and be like, do you have any of the following symptoms? Like you, you can't, you just gotta be, it would be nice if the Sixers in particular were just a little more transparent with the injury stuff. They are the most infuriating team night to night, long-term everything, their lack of transparency from an injury perspective. Um, it makes it worse for fans that don't know what to expect if they go to the games and it makes it worse, obviously. And it's like, should the should the team be concerned about betting? Blah 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 blah. I understand the uh, pearl clutching about that. Do you want the money? Like, do you want the revenue that the NBA produces through betting partnerships? Because if you do, you probably need to actually respect the betting market. Not a lot, just a little. And they have zero. Uh, another story on the opposite end from the Sixers. Break up the Jazz, man. <laughs> if you have bet a hundred dollars on the Utah Jazz and then rolled that over into every money line on the Utah Jazz in their first three games, you have turned $100 into $1,489 based off of the spreads that they have faced versus the Minnesota Timberwolves and the New Orleans Pelicans, even after beating the Denver Nuggets in their home opener. They went in overtime. Uh, now, as we record this on Monday, entirely possible they drop a back-to-back versus the Houston Rockets. Um, that's Alperen Shangu may not play in that game. We'll see. But... This is like a, a, a great story. It's making me regret. Like, this is a, a classic example of you had that inkling, you had that read, you had that cap, you couldn't pull the trigger. Yeah. And now it's killing you. And like, I'm trying to deal with how to let that go because I wrote, I was like, look, I don't know if the Jazz can be bad. They have too many good veteran players, they can't trade all of them easily like these trades are hard to, to work out yeah this is kind of the thing albers i don't know how they're gonna tank this yeah it's tough so right now they're three and no their first place in the western conference obviously is just a week in but they have the number one rated offense they're averaging over 125.7 points a game they're shooting threes lights out so you expect a little regression there uh, moving forward um their defense is not very good they're giving up over 116 but when you're scoring 126 125 I, I guess it doesn't matter what your defense looks like with that being said i don't think this is sustainable i don't again they they are tanking let's be honest they they traded away their two best superstars for a lot of draft picks um you know for the victor sweepstakes but with that being said i think this style of play that they're going to be playing for the rest of the year is going to win too many games. Like they're like you said, there's just too many good players. There's too many good shooters. 
And the fact that they're averaging 125 now, let's say that regresses down to, I don't know, 115, 110. That's still going to be above league average, and that's still going to be good enough for 30, 35, 40 wins. So I agree with you. I don't know if this team can tank. They're just too many good players. Um, unless they start just doing load management left and right, you know, with 80 games left in the season, they're already starting to, to manage the load and the, the work there. But, man, it's an amazing story, right? The Jazz, they, very impressive win in overtime yesterday against the Pelicans as well, who we, uh, we all believe the Pelicans are going to be really good this year. But if you look at the top of the standings, not only are the Jazz 3-0, but the Blazers right now are 3-0, two surprising teams out west. From a betting perspective, I will note the so the books are anchored to those power ratings from preseason and they can't move them off of them very quickly. As you're listening to this, you probably got another week of these lines being a little exaggerated. Uh, I was on Jazz in versus the Pelicans because like that was a set, it, it opened seven and a half, it closed eight and a half. And I was just like, I, I don't know if we need to be given the Pelicans nine here. Yeah. Even at home, I don't think we need to be given the Pelicans nine points. And then again, as we record this on Monday, it's a bad spot for them on the back to back, and they could definitely, you know, rest some guys or whatever. But the line opened Rockets minus one and a half. And I didn't bet it because I was like, well, back to back. And then I got up this morning and looked at it again. So I shifted to Jazz minus one and a half. And I was like, what am I doing? Like the power rating just says, on pure power rating, I got to bet this. Um, so, like, I think it's going to take a, a little bit for them to adjust, for the bookmakers to adjust on Utah. I think you got another week and they'll either, maybe they'll tail off, but you got another week before the, the bookmakers are going to be able to power rate them appropriately. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, it takes about two weeks. You're correct. Um, when it comes to the power ratings and, and the books adjusting, not only are they going to adjust after two weeks, but they're going to be rolling adjusted. And so a lot of people need to realize, even though you make an adjustment before the books, you have to continually adjust because they're going to do the same um, just, just because you found a, an edge, you know, week three, doesn't mean it's going to be the same a week from the, from that date. So I agree with you. Continue to look into these edges. Great spot there, Matt, uh, on the jazz. I took the, the Pelicans first half that obviously didn't hit as well. So, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully we see a little regression. I do think, you know, the more games and the more, uh, the more these teams play out, there'll be a, a, a little regression to the mean. So you'll see the top tier teams kind of like, you know, floating up to the cream of the crop. Um, but man, those Utah Jazz are super impressive. And finally, as we wrap up, MIC, uh, let's talk about the Lakers. Oh, man. Oh, and three against the spread. They lose the home opener. Um, I'm glad like that. That was honestly my favorite betting thing of the weekend for me. I had a good weekend staying away from that game was one of my proudest moments because I was like, it's a home opener, mm -hmm. but like I I've started analyzing everything based off of the team, the number and the spot. And I was like, all right, I like the number on the Lakers. I like the, the spot for the Lakers in the home opener, but I was just like, I have this power rated. The yeah. Blazers should win. And so I stayed away from it. Obviously it goes, it goes close. Um, my question for you, uh, the rust things a disaster they have no shooting their offense is, is looks like the worst in of like the last 20 years yeah lebron's openly making fun of their roster post game which i'm sure is helpful uh for everyone involved the lakers to make the playoffs right now currently a fan duel uh yes minus 114 no minus 106 
for me, this looks like the best futures market play available that it's possible that they can pull off a trade that gets them stabilized. If they just include the two firsts and they get Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, um, there's talk this morning of a Spurs potential trade with Russell Westbrook. I don't know if the Spurs have any shooters that would help them necessarily. Uh, I don't know. That's where you need to be digging for, for talent. Uh, do you find any value in the playoff market for the Los Angeles Lakers? Yeah. So you're always going to pay a premium or a tax when it comes to Lakers positions from futures to awards to day-to-day games. So the fact that it's juiced to the yes makes me like the, the no a lot, to be honest. But with that being said, man, I, th- I think there has to be a trade. Um, I mean, most of us saw that, watched that game on Sunday. They were up eight with four minutes left. Uh, they put Russ in the game and they immediately lose the lead. Uh, they're up one with 30 seconds left. Russ shoots the ball for no reason. Anthony Davis and, and LeBron James are basically still at half court when he takes this shot and um, they lose the game. Um, so I don't know. I feel like he's acting out. He's a 14-year veteran. He knows how to play in those situations. He's been playing basketball his entire life. I think he's like he's not even being subtle about it, that he wants out, and it's up to you know the Lakers brass to find a spot for him or maybe find a trade, but it's, it's just not working out. And again, like whether you know, you're a fan of LeBron James or not, um, he is – he is still one of the greatest players ever. He's definitely looking for stats right now. And it's super obvious because he's like, okay, my team sucks. Let me just go ahead and try to get the scoring record as, as quick as I can. He's averaging 30 points as year 20, 38 year old LeBron. I don't think that's healthy. Um, the last time we saw this type of usage rate on the Lakers with this, this type of player and, and advanced age, Kobe Bryant towards Achilles, right? So this is not what we want to see as basketball fans. And hopefully uh, we get we get the situation LA fixed up. Honestly, that second game, Matt, they played really good defense against the Clippers. Yeah. I think they only lost by four or six points, 103, 97, something like that. Um, but the defense has been um terrible in the other two games. And obviously, like you said, without three point shooting, they're just not gonna compete in twenty twenty two. I kind of wonder if that Clippers game was more instructive of where the Clippers are at. Um, I like the the Suns last night specifically because mm-hmm. I feel like the Clippers are working like their the Clippers are gonna be fine. They're just figuring stuff out. Like I watched I, I watched that Lakers Clippers game and a lot of it for me was hey yeah Lakers like it was like it, everyone's reaction was very much like you root for your kids even when you know that they're not great at something like hey you did pretty good <laughs> hey you hung in there good job uh good job good effort all right we're gonna wrap up with if you had to and this is we're gonna just kind of breeze through the awards the other awards we didn't talk about uh outside of rookie of the year and if you had to bet right now what would you bet if you had to like no choice has been mandated you have to make a bet uh you can say whether or not you actually do want to make a bet on these or not obviously three days after the season started probably not going to be adding positions but we'll start here um for me, if I had to bet right now, it's Giannis plus 700. The take foul, I think, is really going to open things up for him. I was worried about the Bucs without Chris Middleton, but they look really sharp. Wes Matthews is in good health right now. Uh, they're getting good minutes from uh, from everyone. They look polished. Drew Holiday started off very well offensively. This team will probably get run down and, and struggle uh, somewhere, but they looked really great. Now, they got Houston, who's a mess and is just not in their class. But the win against the Sixers, even though the Sixers are a mess too, was really good and 
Uh, Giannis looks like an absolute freight train. The other guy, however, is one that I think you're looking at. Uh, if you had to bet right now, who would you bet for MVP? Yeah, just one step below that, uh, Jason Tatum at plus 800 for a future MVP. He's taken a step forward. Um, I think he already had, I think he was first team on an NBA last year. And then the finals hit, he's already played 115 games at that point. So I think he was running out of gas. And I think he looks refreshed this year. There's a lot of negative you know, noise, a lot of negative news around that team with their coaching situation and things like that. And he's really just kept all that outside of out. He kept all the outside noise away. Team is three and oh, he's on fire. He's plus 800 to win MVP. I'm on Luca preseason. I think he's going to have a, an amazing year similar to Jokic. But as far as value is concerned, I think the Celtics might finish first in the East and Tatum's their best player. So it's, it's a good spot. Yeah, I had the Celtics as a preseason underplay. It was one of my strongest plays. And I'm already just like, well, there goes that five units just down the drain. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. It's it's I did this with the Suns last year where there's the team that I'm that I'm like, Oh, they had such a great year last year. Surely they'll regress. And then they were better. So that's what it looks like early on with the Celtics. Uh six man of the year. If I had to bet right now, I'd bet Christian Wood averaging the most points, 25 points per game. Now, I wouldn't bet this because I think that eventually he moves into the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. The numbers with him and Luca are outrageous already. This was a call I made in preseason. I, I talked about this on every podcast. I did not understand why Christian Wood's coming off the bench. There's no reason to. The only player on the Dallas Mavericks with a net, negative net rating after thrashing the, Dallas, the Memphis Grizzlies in what was admittedly a horrible spot for Memphis. But the only player with a negative net rating on Dallas, JaVale McGee. Like, what are we doing here, guys? What, what are we doing? Uh, Christian Wood, actually, honestly, he's been more engaged on the defensive end than I think a lot of people oh. thought. Uh, I I don't know that it was – it's it's about where I expected it to be, which is, look, he's not a good defender, but he can be fine if he's engaged, and he's been engaged so far. So six man of the year for me, Christian Wood would be the play. Yeah, Christian Wood has had a great season so far. If he wasn't um... – taken out of the game in the fourth quarter against the Suns that first game of the year they probably would have won that game too Um, with that being said I agree with you I think it's more of like a seniority thing I think this is JaVale McGee's third stint with the Mavericks so I think he just deserves the starting gig for for a couple weeks but as far as talent is concerned both offensively and defensively because you're right Wood is playing that that pick and roll defense a lot better nowadays Um, but offensively it's like night and day between him and JaVale McGee and Christian Wood is playing really well with Luca. Luca just needs to make one call to Mark and he'll get Christian Wood into the starting lineup. No big deal. Most improved player. Uh, my best player right now is Laurie Markkinen. Uh, I think Markkinen has shown he's been fantastic in these jazz games. This is not based off of the three game sample. This is a carryover. So Laurie Markkinen was considered kind of dead to the world. He did not, obviously, I think playing for Jim Boylan hurts anyone's career, but especially I think hurt Markkinen, uh, who really kind of took a step backwards. And then he didn't really fit with Billy, with Billy Donovan either. It just, it didn't work with Billy Donovan for a number of reasons. And that's okay. I don't think Billy Donovan's a bad coach. We don't have to make these value assessments on these things. Sometimes good coaches don't get along or don't get the most out of good players. But when Mark and I went to the Cavs last year, you saw an improvement and their ability to make him work at small forward was really impressive to me. And that doesn't happen unless he buys in on the, on the defensive end and he's been better defensively. He's going to be limited because of his frame and size, 
but marketing puts in the effort and that gets you a long way. You carry that over to Eurobasket where he was absolutely sensational yep. this summer. He looks so good. And then he goes into the, in, in, and now he's with the jazz and he's a, a primary scoring weapon and he's making all these types of plays. They're running weird lineups and Will Hardy's got is trying different things. Like they're running pick and rolls with marketing and Kelly Olenek. It's, it's, it sets him up very well to use his unique skill set. Uh, marketing is there's long numbers at every book right now still for him. He's not available at some books for most improved players. How off the board he is. So uh, I really like Laurie Marketing. If I had to bet right now, I bet Laurie Marketing MIP. And if the Jazz get through the month of, I'll uh, say they get to November fifteenth, and they're not things that the wheels haven't fallen off, that's where I'll probably start looking to add Laurie as a most improved player candidate. I like that spot a lot. Not only is he good uh, offensively, he can shoot, he can get to the rack, but he is sneaky athletic. Uh, people don't realize he's, what, 6'9", six, 6'10". Six, so he uses that size well, especially when he attacks the rim. My pick here is actually going to be Jalen Brunson, Matt. I think that with the New York Knicks, you know, they're always going to be, you know, front and center when it comes to the media, to the news. And if he's going to average 19, let's just say hypothetically 19, 8, and 5, he might make an all-star game. So if he makes an all-star game, I think, uh, you know, he'll be one of the front runners when it comes to MIP. I think he's plus 2,500 right now at most books. So it's still really good odds. Um, I wouldn't touch the the leaders right now with Halliburton and Maxi just because you, you've kind of lost value. Yeah, I would definitely not bet Maxi, which that's unfortunate. That was my best bet for all awards. <laughs> Please stop. <laughs> Please give, give Tyrese Maxi the ball. And finally, defensive player of the year. The only bet, if I had to make a bet right now, it's too early. Don't start judging defensive player of the year until later in the season. We've talked about that on the, on the pod. Uh, but Marcus Smart to repeat it, plus 2,400 is an outrageous number. The Celtics are the best defense in the league. They are the best defense in the league. There's no Robert Williams. So you mm -hmm. can't use the, well, they have all this talent, Robert Williams. Smart makes plays continuously. He guards the best player continuously. At 2,400, there is objectively value on Marcus to repeat as DPOY. There's not a resistance to multiple-time defensive player of the year as there is with some of the other awards. There's just less resistance to that concept. I understand why Rudy Gobert is a favorite. I get it. I would say that if you told me which, de if you asked me which defense is going to finish better, the Timberwolves or the Celtics, it's going to be the Celtics. If the Celtics are the one seed and they have the best defense in the league again, this number is going to look positively ridiculous. I will tell you that if nothing else, you're going to get, you will objectively get CLV with Marcus Smart. At plus 2400 yeah you'll definitely get clv um but i think when it comes to the sheer volume of rudy's numbers um if he's going to average 18 19 20 rebounds plus three blocks a game yeah. um i just think you have to give it to him by default and he, i think he'll end up being a four-time winner which is a record him and ben wallace with that being said though i don't think his numbers are going to slow down because the minnesota timberwolves play really fast so the other team is going to get a lot of shots up, which means he's going to have ample opportunity to rebound the ball as well as block the ball. Um, so I like Rudy Gobert here, even though he's the favorite. If I was looking at a long shot, uh, it would probably be Mikel Bridges just because he does everything for the Suns. He always guards the best player, similar to Marcus Smart. And I think the Suns right now are underrated just because of how they were ousted last year in the playoffs. People don't really look at them. Um, but when you look at the – I'm sure if we you know, fast-forward four months and we go towards the end of the year and look at the standings, the Suns are going to be right there in the top, you know, two, three or four teams in the West as per usual. So Mikel Bridges will be one of the key cogs to that. All right. That's it.
for today's episode of Buckets. Make sure to follow Albert on Twitter at Analytics Capper. You can also track all of his picks and my picks in the award-winning Action Network app. The best way for you to track your picks, get up to the second information on where the bets and money are coming in on. Uh, this podcast is in our media center on there. I'll be on Green Dot Daily on Wednesday talking about the impact of the take foul on uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Bucks. Spoiler alert, it's good for them. Uh, and you can track all those kind of things in there, including um, I just got to take a little bit of a picture lap. My NFL numbers are really good. And my sides <laughs> for NBA, as long as I don't do any sort of parlay, are actually uh, looking pretty good on the ROI as well. Albert, thanks for joining me. We'll see you guys again next time. Tomorrow, we'll have best bets for Tuesday uh, with our panel of experts. We'll see you then. Thanks for joining us. Let's get buckets. <laughs>